Hi, Christine. Hi, Cindy. I'm drinking out of my I Got Tipsy at Tootsie cup. Oh, nice. Well, welcome everyone to Bottomless Broadway, where we talk musicals over mimosas. This week, we are going to continue making our way through 2019's Tony-eligible musicals with Tootsie and Beetlejuice. So, Christine, do you want to give us Tootsie in five words or less? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So my five words for Tootsie are just give Santino a Tony already. And yeah, that's that's about it um i mean there's definitely more to the show than just him but he is a hundred percent the highlight of the show and definitely i think from the shows i've seen deserves the tony for best leading actor which like i also said last year for ethan slater and spongebob but like it's okay because the big tv actor is in the best play leading actor award this year so like It'll be fine. So Tootsie is about this down-on-his-luck middle-aged actor who really randomly, really randomly decides to cross-dress <laughs> to audition for a female role in a musical. And then he's shocked at how he's being treated at his audition because he's used to being treated like a man, but then he's being treated like a woman because people think that he's a woman. And he's like, wow, you can't treat me like this. So then the female producer on the show is like really impressed by his aversion to sexism even though like the male director hates him and basically the female producer just like green lights his addition to the cast and he ends up being a really good actor but then he's trying to balance this relationship with his ex but not ex-girlfriend sandy as a man while falling in love with his new co-star julie as he's a woman um with his like career on the line once he auditions he immediately connects with this female producer and maybe it's because she thinks he's a female that's you know standing up for herself in front of the director but like sexism also exists in the theater industry like it's not super female empowered either necessarily you know yeah but they kind of embodied all of that sexism into ron the director a little bit because like the producer was obviously super feminist and then that dumb guy max or whatever Mm -hmm. right so there's like a dumb co-star who's like hot on this musical who like falls in love with him and or her well dorothy who's um, right who is michael's female persona persona um yeah so max falls in love with her he says all this stuff he's like and he, like, talks about how he likes that she's built, like, a tractor. Um, all the – what's that? There's that one song that's, like, we really like you. What's that song? The whole cast sings it. Um, it is called I Like What She's Doing. I Like What She's Doing. The whole cast is singing about how they, like, like this female role model and they like mm-hmm. that there's this girl in charge. So they don't really, like – make a big stance on sexism right but i was surprised that it's basically just so sudden like oh and boom like everyone all of a sudden is in love with dorothy and it was a little abrupt but also it's a like it's basically a rom-com kind of so you know suspension of disbelief i guess what i did think worked really well though is because michael dorsey the male version he is kind of an like self-entitled dick and but Santino's just charming enough or like shows his struggle to be relatable enough that you actually do want him to succeed you're not just like oh this is some asshole who like deserves to not get a job you're actually like wow this is crazy but I kind of hope he does well 
I think it's also a lot of like, we know he's an asshole, but we also know he's really talented. There's that line that's like, is he good? Of course he is. Is he successful? Of course he's not. As like the <laughs> typical down on his luck actor kind of person. And I think like a lot of people in show business or just starting in their careers or whatever relate to that really well. Right. So we're all like, yeah, like we feel this guy. The world is full of dumb people and he is just misunderstood. Yeah. Um, and then as far as talking about structure, I think what they did pretty well is the whole concept is kind of like a Dear Evan Hansen thing where he starts off with a lie. Everyone knows like whether or not you've seen the movie before, you know, this lie, the truth is going to come out. And the question is basically just let's have the, have some fun before the truth comes out, because especially for this show, maybe less so for Dear Evan Hansen. But it is fun while he's living this Dorothy lie. And then part of it is also kind of how the lie comes out. I read this interview with Santino where he was like, it is so fun playing a character that can't think like two words or whatever. Like he's just like, I'm rolling with it. My character's rolling with it. Michael's rolling with it. Dorothy's rolling with it. Who the fuck knows? Yeah. So I mentioned to you before that I was sitting like kind of rear mez, like way on the side, which mm-hmm. surprising enough was not partial view. So good job, Marquee Theater on that. But um, <laughs> it was like slightly hard to make out facial like details. And so there were times when if he was in Dorothy for like an extended period of time, I almost forgot who was actually playing Dorothy. And I think the show did a really good job of having him slip back into his like normal voice often enough Mm -hmm. that you're like, all right, that's a guy. And also his voice is actually pretty deep. So the fact that he's able to pull off this female voice and sing in it for extended periods of time is like just even more impressive. So I was sitting close enough to see their facial expressions. So I don't think I really forgot that he was a guy, but I think like, I definitely think when they chose to like transition between like him being a guy and being a woman was like strategically decided upon because every time it was like important or like something was happening. Yeah. And that first transition when he's in the diner with his friend Jeff and he's talking to Jeff as Dorothy and then just like his voice slides back into his normal register. Like that was some crazy shit. Yeah, that was good. That was yeah, I mean, it's definitely really hard because, like, um, in the cinematic version, it's obviously not a musical. So there's just, like, soap actors. So, I mean, it's a lot easier to dress up as a woman than it is to sing as one. Right. Yeah. And also, like, I just, I think the reason why Santino deserves this Tony so much is because... He's an actor playing an actor, and part of his role is to be convincing enough to convince, like, his co-stars and the audience that, like, he is really good and they should all listen to him on this show. Um, So, like, you actually have to be really, really good in all ways in order to, like, pull off the actor for the show inside a show kind of thing, because he's supposed to be a good actor and a good actor playing a good actor. Right. Unlike prom where they're good actors playing like shitty actors themselves yeah low key (laughs) but (laughs) shittier yeah so like he's definitely gonna be hard to replace when that happens so since we've talked about Santino what did you think of like 
the secondary characters. Okay, so Lily Cooper obviously has a really good voice. I think as Julie and Sandy, they're both like, um, you know, like not lead female roles. And right. I don't think any of they're both good. I don't think any of them were like amazing. I think when Lily Cooper belts, she is quite good. But I think like the genius part of how this show is written is that Julie and Sandy are such different people with such different voices, different stories, different personalities, and different song styles that it really keeps the audience engaged because there's like just so much going on between the right. two of them. I feel like this show gave Lily Cooper a lot more to do with her voice, like a lot more versatility. I feel like when I saw her as Sandy in SpongeBob, I didn't realize how wide of a range she had. Like black is white, like day is night, like I'm walking in a total fog. Straight up forgot she was Sandy. <laughs> Sandy didn't do that much, yeah. Um, yeah, so so she definitely does have a really kind of unique voice, which I was like pleasantly surprised by. And also mm-hmm. I just got really confused because the Sandy character in this show was not Lily Cooper. Oh. I love Sarah Styles. Oh, too. she's amazing. She's so funny and charismatic. Yeah. And she kind she's of like, has the has... same song every time, but it's like she delivers it yeah. so well. It's like one tune, but it's this like no filter comedy kind of song when she's mm-hmm. like, I'm sitting in a audition room and all the girls like girls look like me, but 10 years younger. Yeah. Like, I feel like a lot of people might really relate to that. It was just really funny. And all her songs are very fast. It's like just like a million words a minute, but mm-hmm. you can hear everything so clearly. Yeah, and her just, like, physical comedy and everything is also amazingly great. Which, actually, all of the cast is pretty good at comedy. Like, everyone who has to do comedy is really good at it. Like, Santino also just has a great sense of comedic timing. There was actually one scene when him as Dorothy is yelling at Ron, the asshole director, and his, like, Uh earring fell off, and he was, like, in the middle of being, like, I'm so angry at you, and then just, like, never missed a beat and he's like and look my earring is also angry at you and there's just like a solid like 20 seconds of applause for that and then i feel like something similar oh, yeah he must have a lot of wardrobe malfunctions. <laughs> yeah. and then he like picked it back up and was like putting it back in his ear and like kept going with his lines and he's like and me and my earring will like see myself out or whatever his line for that is and like oh, wow. the crowd just lapped it up yeah, he's great. And his chemistry with his roommate is quite good. Yeah, so um, so I'm going to pronounce this Gr- name wrong. Yeah, <laughs> Andy Gretelution. Gretelution. But he also had, like, fantastic comedic timing. Like, the pauses that he put in just, like, made stuff even funnier. Okay, so there's, like, a scene where Sandy's knocking on the door, but Michael's still dressed as Dorothy, so they're like, oh, fuck, we need to hide all this stuff, and they just start throwing things everywhere, like, under the couch, they put, like, a bunch of, like, a wig and jewelry, like, into the refrigerator, and then, um, weird side note, Michael, or Santino, is, like, showering, whatever, I don't remember, but he's so, um, Jeff screams, Michael's in the bathroom, and there were a bunch of laughs. So definitely some be more chill people in the crowd. 
I actually, we didn't get as many laughs for that one. I felt like our crowd was a little bit older, maybe. Which, okay, brings me to another point I wanted to address, is that this is a very modern musical in terms of its subject matter. Like, they took the movie and they definitely updated it for 2019 and everything. But Mm. it has a very old-timey feel of, like, the traditional classic Golden Age musical. And... I think the audience, which is why I feel like the, my audience might have been older, my audience seemed to respect that too. Like, you know, sometimes when people have like a really good belting solo or something, like people will cheer or like, you know, like very modern things that people do in like shows like Mean Girls and stuff. People were very respectful about like, they only clap when a song is over or like, you know, and they clap for like scene changes too, which this musical also has a lot of instrumentals underscoring scene changes, which I feel like I don't see as much either. And it had like an overture and on track. Um, so it's like a very classical musical structure. I don't know if you got that same sense. So like, I think that like we clap at Mean Girls and stuff because we're so familiar with the content, and then they say like a line from the movie, and we're like, Whoa. "Well, no, I'm not even and talking about the necessarily... line from the movie. I'm talking about like when they're belting yeah. and they like hit or hold a long note, you know, and yeah, people start know, like. like I don't know if it's an age thing because like I don't know, like Beetlejuice is really loud, but also like Donna Summer's loud. Like a lot of like older jukebox musicals are loud, right. and I feel like Tootsie just wasn't big enough of a movie for people to care. So Tootsie was not a musical or movie that I knew about before uh, hearing about this Mm -hmm. musical, but there was a survey done by Time Out New York about the like best movie of all time. But the caveat was they asked only actors to rate the best movie of all time. And Tootsie actually came out number one, like above Godfather, above like everything else. Actors chose Tootsie as the number one best movie of all time. Of all time? Yeah. And so, I mean, apparently it took forever to get made. Like, Oh, yeah, Dustin Hoffman and the director, or not the director, the screenwriter, were, like, at odds with each other. They just, like, did not like it. Like, Dustin Hoffman was trying to make it his thing because he was the one that, like, came up with the name Tootsie and, like, all that. And the screenwriter was like, no, we have to do this. And they just, like, hated each other or something. I mean, besides the whole, like clapping and like audience age thing I feel like it still just had this feeling of a very classical musical but like in a newer form and I think also part of that was due to the orchestrations as well because they used a very traditional orchestra like a lot of orchestras these days replace like basically they don't have as much brass besides maybe trumpets and they always have like an electric guitar drum set and this one did not do that like they had almost a full orchestra section. Like they had a French horn, which is increasingly rare these days. Um, but, and I always notice, but yeah. And so I think that just is kind of also hearkening back to how this is sort of an old classic movie, which I thought was a smart move. I mean, I want a full orchestra se- section. Yeah. I'm so tired of your seven piece I know. Bands. And they actually take a lot of, like, (laughs) Phantom started out with, like, a huge orchestra, and they've actually cut it down during its run on Broadway. So that kind of shit is happening because, you know, budget. I didn't, I still 
don't really recall getting the feeling. The set is super modern. Right. Um, it's all neon and mirrors and reflection. They had that awesome little subway scene, which reminded me of the subway scene that we saw in 68, but this is actually a lot better. Yeah, I thought of that too, when they're just like bouncing on the right. subway. <laughs> bouncing on the subway. We also, can we talk about that Elsa-esque outfit change like you've seen a girl change on stage but have you seen a cross-dressing <laughs> guy change on stage yeah that was just like the um I thought the costumes were serviceable like nothing I didn't think there's anything too incredible about them but I know you wanted to talk about them okay I just low-key think that like they might actually get somewhere with it because the Bellini costumes were super pretty mm-hmm. when they suddenly changed into it. Yeah, for that was nice. That part of the when show. When they're like, let's make it 80s instead of Elizabethan or whatever. Well, the Bellini, like the whole like millennial pink and everything, that was beautiful, mm-hmm. right? And I like high key feel like my fair lady last year only won costume because that one like pastel gray purple horse riding <laughs> yeah horse the ascot gavotte because i don't think yes i don't think anything else was that pretty in my fair lady they it's kind, it, kind it of did like feel like a colors. safe choice like it wasn't i mean she had that really one pretty dress during the whole whatever party the embassy ball in my fair yeah. lady yes but like the ascot stuff was like when I saw that in my head, I was like, "This is why they wanted costumes," and I felt the same way when I saw the Bellini costumes mm. in here. Okay, even though it's just like one. Right. I mean, I don't know exactly how costume is decided, but I wonder how much of it is not the way the costumes look themselves, but also the craft of the costumes and stuff like you know making a dress for Santino and shoes and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. and also the um chest tattoo that max gets you know <laughs> i can't think of much else besides share this year because hades town is just like a minimalistic musical so they like never change uh-huh. beetlejuice and, you know prom doesn't have good outfits beetlejuice is the same costume designer as fine. um tootsie so it'll be interesting if he gets nominated mm-hmm. for both the person is um william mm-hmm. ivy long so he's pretty versatile he's also like 71 while we're talking about um, design elements, uh, you mentioned the set, mm-hmm. which I think the set does a really great job. And it has that sort of like perspective-y skyline sort of thing that go in for it, which makes it like very modern. Everything's all automated, which is always cool to see. And I think they must just have like a ton of space backstage. But this... Because the apartment just shifts around. Yeah, and I could see part of the wings, and I could not also see the end fair lady like, wall. Yeah, that's true. Lincoln Center's backstage is, like, fucking huge. Mm-hmm. But the set for Tootsie is done by David Rockwell, who um, also did Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, which was another show by David Yazbek, who did the music for Tootsie. And he also did Kinky Boots, which we talked about before, and Pretty Woman, which is also on Broadway this season, which we will talk about later. But um, the interesting mm-hmm. thing to note is David Rockwell won the Tony for She Loves Me a few years ago, which was one of the only Tonys that Hamilton lost. So he won set in Hamilton year. And David Corrins, who was the Hamilton set designer, is doing the set for Beetlejuice. So we'll see them maybe square this off again. Is the architect? Yeah. So David Rockwell is like an actual architect, too. Like he designed the Dolby Theater and Hudson Yards and hmm. stuff like that. So we'll see how that plays out this year. Should be interesting. 
I really want to talk about how similar Michael Dorsey is to Greg. <laughs> From Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Isn't he just Greg? Okay, but I think I think I think the main difference is that Michael Dorsey still has hope. Like he's still like, you know Greg does have hope. But he's, like, really kind of unwilling about it. Like, remember his song, I Could If I Wanted To? Sure, I could get an A if I wanted to get an A, but who cares about an A? I don't. I don't care. Although I could have made that grade if I did care, but I don't. But I could if I wanted to. Like, yes, that's what reminds me of... Michael but Dorsey. Michael Dorsey, I don't know. I feel like it's a different take on the same character, kind of. But, like, Michael Dorsey is still like, hey, maybe if I try this weird thing, like, it'll actually work. But Greg, until he left the show, was kind of afraid of trying that new thing, even though he knew it could yeah, kind but, of work. You know, he's also a bartender. He's also okay, like, but, like all the poor the actors world, are bartenders. I just don't want to do it. He's like, I'm better about it. Yeah, but Greg's not a poor That's actor. True. He's a poor all the, pre-law All the poor student. people are bartenders. <laughs> all the poor people are bartenders. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to, like, like subtract from Santino's great acting. But I do think he's, like, a little bit I think it's his face. <laughs> like, he, lo- he has that kind of, like, <laughs> resting, not bitch face, but, like, more like resting asshole face. The, like, you know? Like, brooding. Yeah, but he's also, like, so charming. So I think that's why he gets picked for these kinds of roles. Oh, but also, wait, wait. So also, because this movie was in the 80s, um, uh, Julie didn't end up going lesbian for Dorothy, which she does in the musical. Instead, she introduces Dorothy to her father, who proposes to her, but... Julie's father's name is Leslie. So he proposes to her um, and then writes her note saying like Leslie. And then Sandy finds this note. She's like, you're cheating on me. And he's like, Michael's like, no, 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 you don't understand this is from a guy. And she's like, oh my God, this guy proposed to you. Are you gay? And then, and then Michael's just like, oh my God, no. So he goes to his agent's office and he just starts ranting. And he's like, Sandy thinks I'm gay. Julie thinks I'm lesbian. I don't know what I'm doing. And he's yeah. like, all this stuff. And it's so funny. Well, yeah. That was great. I think one of the highlights of this show specifically is the book writing, which uh, the book is by Robert Horn, who like hasn't really done a major Broadway show before. Like his main credit, I think, is 13, which is also known as the show that like got Ariana Grande her start. But um like, I thought his book was fantastic, and I've never – it's been a while since I've been to a show where I'm like, wow, the actual dialogue is just so smart and so funny and, like, just really moves the story along, and I feel like I, – I was feeling like lately Broadway has had a dearth of, like, good book writers, especially for jukebox musicals, and – even like movie adaptations to a certain extent, because most of it is just kind of a carbon copy of the movie. But I think based on what I know about Tootsie the movie and what I saw at the show, like they did a really good job of updating it. And I thought they what they handled really well was adding in certain like lines about, you know, the pay gap and like gender politics without sounding like too much like they were trying too hard to be woke or anything. Yeah. It was good. It was woke-ish because um, in the movies, Max is like a little assaulty. 
when he <laughs> sings his Dorothy, Dorothy, or oh, Dorothy song and comes upstairs. But right, he was a little problematic for me as a character, but I don't think that's a problem of the show itself. I think he's supposed to be a kind of problematic character. Um, but he was like sort of lovable in like a Joey from Friends way. You're like this guy is dumb and like kind of a dick, but he's also naive in a way that you yeah. So you don't guys. blame him for it exactly. I mean, who gets a tattoo? <laughs> that was such an ugly tattoo of the face of Dorothy. Oh my god. Oh no, um, no. That's a lot of effort to do every night yeah. for like twenty people. The one thing that I had an issue with, um, story-wise, and it seems like a lot of people had an issue with this too, was just how they handled the ending, which I think is different from the movie. So we won't talk about it too specifically, but. It was very open-ended, and I was still kind of waiting for another scene to happen just to show more of what the fallout was like, but that never really happened. So you get to kind of decide like how to interpret that. Um, and it's funny because this show did a Chicago tryout back in fall of 2018, and the Chicago review was basically just like, it was great until we got to Dorothy's 11 o'clock number, which... Um, Michael sings like to Dorothy, basically asking Dorothy for advice. And then he says, yeah, so that just sags and it, quote, torpedoes the last 15 minutes of the show, which I thought was a little harsh, Mm -hmm. but also not completely unfounded. Yeah, they kept on trying to go back to this theme that where Michael was like, I want to learn from Dorothy. I want to learn from Dorothy because she's a much better person than I was. And I knew where they were going, but I wasn't totally on board with that because I'm like, dude, it's still you. I thought it would have been interesting if they ended with a reprise of Who Are You, the song that Michael and Julie sing to each other when they're first like getting to know oh, each other. I didn't like that song. I didn't think it was a great song, but I thought it was a It got a reprise anyway, right? But just not the end. It did, but it was like a super short one that I thought wasn't that great. Um The music we've mentioned is by David Yazbek, both music and lyrics, who you may remember from our band's visit episode. Um, but I thought it was not a great score. Um, I thought the songs were really good in the show and like would make a really good cast recording for if you want to sort of relive the show and listen through it. I think the songs are really well integrated into the show. But I don't think the like mm-hmm. tunes and score itself were too remarkable. Um, a lot of it was just kind of like rambly stream of conscious or patter songs like um, Sandy's song. And so I don't really think of them as like melodies that I'm going to remember or anything. I like Sandy's crazy songs, actually. I think I'm going to listen to those a lot when they come out. Yeah. I'll wake up in the shower with a stomach full of bricks. So I won't have any breakfast, maybe just a little tea. Like when you have to go and get a colonoscopy, which incidentally is a pathos. Yeah, no, like hers were fun, but it didn't really have like, you know, Band's Visit had like such rich melodies, too. Yeah. And I'm not too familiar with his previous work on Dirty Rotten Scoundrels or um, The Full Monty. But from what I've heard, those did also have slightly better scores than uh, what Tootsie's score is. It works, whatever. But yeah, I don't think, um, yeah, I don't think the music stands out. I don't think it's gonna um, 
pry best score from anyone yeah especially Town. just since i mentioned there was like a lot of drama behind tootsie the movie there was also some fun drama behind the show which originally was um you know sony pictures was like hey we're gonna get into musicals now because you know every other movie studio is doing it which is also how beetlejuice started which we'll get to but the producer scott sanders he signed like a five-year deal with Sony back in 2012. They signed a five-year deal for a series of stage versions of Sony's films and Tootsie was the first one. And in exchange, Sony purchased like a 20% stake in his production company. And so that's when he like supposedly got started with working on this show. Um, At some point brought Scott Ellis on board as director and Scott Ellis has mentioned that Santino was kind of always his first choice because he needed someone to really play Michael, but also like could pull off Dorothy. So his main casting choice was um, Santino for Michael. But the drama comes in in that um, at least since 2009, but probably before, these two people, David Zippel and Larry Gelbart, brought sort of the idea of the musical to Sanders, the producer. And David Zappel was a, uh, I believe, lyricist. And Larry Gelbart was the original, one of the original screenplay writers for the movie. And they were like, hey, we want to make this into a musical. Sanders was like, all right, cool, I can produce it. And then at some point, he basically just like ghosted them or something. Also, Larry Gelbart like died in 2009. So maybe that was part of it. But there was definitely a lawsuit over it. Like in 2011, um, Scott Sanders was sued for it by David Zappel and another person who was brought on to write the score, which I didn't find anything about how that lawsuit ended. I'm guessing they just settled. And it was funny because I mentioned that Dustin Hoffman was the one that came up with the word Tootsie for the title of the movie and like as a pet name. Oh, we should definitely explain. Oh, why yeah so tootsie is because you know when a lot of self-absorbed men call women like pet names like oh lovely or dear or honey like tootsie came out as one of those pet names and then dorothy is like i'm not any of these my name is dorothy but yeah but it was funny because that original musical version of it um since dustin hoffman hated like larry gelbart he wouldn't let them use the name Tootsie. So it was originally going to be called Dollface. Somewhere between then and now, they settled that. So so now it's I can fine. live with Dollface. Yeah. Um, what was, what do you think besides Santino, since we've talked about that a lot, was the most like standout or memorable part of the show for you? No. Oh my God. We did forget something pretty great. Though. Choreography? Um. Because yes, yeah. the talking choreography, the bunny dance, the <laughs> light bulb, screw in the light bulb. Yeah. Does Ron lead that? Ron leads that, right? So the perverted director, he's like super excited and he just narrates these weird dance motions. I love that stuff. They bring it back um, for Bows. And that was Which awesome. also I want to mention, Bows was actually just really fun. And they do like kind of a mini encore with Santino, which is amazing. And I loved it. Um, right. He comes back as um, yeah. Dorothy in the dress. So. And the concert. <laughs> so keep an eye out for that. But yeah, with the choreography, um, 
done by Dennis Jones, who has been in like all kinds of Broadway shows. But yeah, they do all this choreography, which I'm told this is how Broadway actors can like sometimes actually learn their choreography. Um, because it's just like coming up with names for the motions you're doing just so you can like remember what the motions are. Um, which is funny because when I was in marching band and we had dance routines, that's also exactly what we did, but we would definitely come up with more like R-rated names. So, (laughs) so that was fun. Um, no, I think choreography was great and I'd be expecting a nomination for that. Um, I mean, I think one of the biggest competitors will be Casey Nicola from The Prom, who actually was the original director for this show um, before he got replaced by Scott Ellis. All right. I mean, for me, I just think it's a standard musical that doesn't break any boundaries, but hits all the marks and is still like slightly better than Prom. Because I know we also said Prom is a standard musical (laughs) that hits all the marks. I think this one just has... A better book, maybe. I don't want to say a better cast, but like Santino's very standout, yeah. so just like a better lead actor, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not. I don't think it's groundbreaking. I think anything. it's more of a a fun time at Tootsie for sure. But I know how a lot mm-hmm. of people might connect more to prom because it it is more of a personal subject for a lot of people. So I guess that's the main difference. Um, and prom has better music. You can't expect half the world to cross. Yeah. <laughs> prom does has better music, but I don't think I can really judge until a cast recording comes out. To That's be true. So, um, but looking out like for between that. the two, I would I I'd say out of all the shows I've seen this season, Tootsie is definitely number one for me since I haven't seen Hades Town. So mm-hmm. I expect it to do well, and I hope it does well because I really love it, and I would go see it again. You can follow us at Bottomless B-Way on Twitter, bottomlessbway.home.blog, or email us bottomlessbway at gmail.com and let us know what you yeah. think. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. I won't let you down because you will.